Startup Life, Entrepreneurship, Innovation. Welcome to the Started at KBC podcast. Hi everybody, my name is Laura Lumengu and in this episode I'll talk to one of our partners and one of the Started at KBC startups about digital marketing. In this episode we've invited Bert van Wassenhoven from the Kronos Group. He's a multitasker, so I'm only going to highlight a couple of things. He's a managing partner of the investment fund, the co-foundry and the founder of Think With People, a sounding board for entrepreneurs, and they host some of our Started Academy workshops. Annelien Hanse will join us too. She's the marketing manager of EpicBase, which is a complete food management platform in the cloud to manage recipes, nutrition, food costs, and much more. And they also have a photographic twist. Bert, when did you get so passionate about entrepreneurship and startups? Please tell me a bit about the initiatives that you have that help entrepreneurs creating a sustainable business. Well, I've been in entrepreneurship or in, in companies probably all my life. I was born uh, the cleanest of Standen, mm-hmm. you know, the small, typical Belgian companies. And so I grew up between people um, building their companies and especially also doing what they like to do. And I thought that was a tempting idea. So that's it's, it has always stayed in my um, background. And um, as I moved into the business world, I, I always took the people side, which is a lot about communications, but also the commercial side. Uh, I used to talk a lot with salespeople and uh, marketing people. So um, that's where my my love for marketing, communication, go-to-market came from. And then when I am um, also very interested in anything uh, new, innovative. Uh, so that's how I ended up with the Kronos Group at a certain point, uh, because that's a, a group of companies that's uh, um, very busy with innovation, technology, things like that. And then when at a certain point, Um, I was considering like what's what's next Um, we were thinking why don't we do something for startups Mm -hmm. for people who are building their own company who are building it probably from more like a product point of view because Kronos was already doing a lot in service companies but from a product point of view so that's when we started Think With People uh, focusing on this early stage focusing on people with ideas and who think uh, about growing their own company and the idea of Think With People is supporting those people helping them taking a next step and doing that uh, within the Kronos philosophy which is very much a entrepreneur-oriented uh, uh, philosophy. And that's also how we linked up with the uh, with, uh, start at KBC at a certain point. Um, now, building companies has always been, uh, as I said, building things is something I like. Uh, building things in a, in a technological context. So the, the second, let's say, uh, step we took, uh, biggest step, um, is the co-foundry. And the co-foundry is an investment fund where we invest in startups that are beyond the phase of experimentation or of first experimentation so they have some kind of product market fit they have customers and then it's time to grow you need knowledge you need some money and that's what we provide we provide money and experience network knowledge and some money do you look at a specific sector at the co-foundry or is everybody welcome everybody's welcome because we're in this very early stage. Uh, so we're in an, actually investing in an area where most VCs do not come because mm-hmm. it's too low for them, but it's mostly too high for most business angels. So we're 
invest on average 250,000 euros. That's like can be less, can be more, but that's like the area we play in, let's say between 100 and 500,000 euros. Um, and that's a place where VCs don't come because it's too small. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, so we've locked ourselves in there. Well, not locked, but we found our spot. It's, it's a kind of a sweet spot. Um, but there's not, I mean, Belgium is a small country. Mm -hmm. If you want to focus on Belgium, going for a particular uh, vertical like fintech or mm -hmm. something else is uh, is practically not possible mm -hmm. or you have to go international. So we decided to go for the local market at this point while well, with some expansion to the Netherlands mm -hmm. and maybe a bit of France and Germany, but mostly very close to home, mm -hmm. uh, Belgium that is. Uh, and then keeping it broad. Yeah. And in this whole atmosphere of helping startups, knowing that it's not easy as an entrepreneur, um, I at a certain point said like, well, I think we should reward these entrepreneurs, not just by funding them, but also just for the attempt of, or the ambition of wanting to start their own company. So that's why I launched the Bertjes, which is my uh, prize. The, so it's an, an award an for award entrepreneurship. Show. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in end of October, uh, sorry, yeah mid-October it will be we will be handing out the batches again so you can go to thebatches.be and uh, put yourself forward as a candidate. Anneleen, now I want to know a bit more about you. Um, when did you start working for Epic Days and what is it like to work for a startup? What are the advantages of being in a startup environment? Um, I joined Epic Base like a year ago um, and after my studies I was looking for a marketing position that would fit my passion for food as well. Um, before I joined Epic Base I uh, did an internship at Flavor, another started, um, startup um, and it was my first experience with the so-called startup vibe and I really liked the atmosphere so that's why I wanted to find a full-time job here. Um, and even though I didn't have a lot of working experience in a startup, you're always important. And I didn't want to be like a number in a big corporate, but I really want to have some impact um, on the company. Um, and you can yeah, learn a lot. You have to do it yourself and try and error. And that's, uh, that's something that I really like. And of course, the link with food in the hospitality sector um, yeah, only made it better. Yeah. And did you learn about Epic Base then? because of flavor and be being here in the started community or did you saw it online or how did you I actually them? saw them on LinkedIn um, I didn't met them before um, while I was here um, but I, I got to know them through LinkedIn and then I applied for the job so if you would pitch epic base what would it what is it in a couple of sentences um, so we are a software company um, and we made a food management platform where you can manage all your recipes, allergens, menus, um, your ingredients, your orderings to your suppliers. Um, you can make integrations with your point of sale system. So you can really manage the, the back of the kitchen and optimize your um, yeah, your profits and your, your restaurant flow. You really want to make a successful business out of your restaurant and that's what we do. And then um, we also have a photo studio. That's like our unique selling proposition. So we make the software very visual thanks to the photos that you can upload into the system. So your um, technical recipe sheet is not only in words, but also in images, for example, for like visual training gets really easy. And it's also important if you have like a restaurant chain, you get like the consistency in every outlet that you have. 
um, because if you eat a burger at location A, you want it to be the same quality at location B. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So your main customer are the restaurants. Um, we have a variety of customers ranging from like local restaurants, um, restaurant chains, but then also the food producing companies like Unilever or Sodexo um, and caterers. So it, it's a really, yeah, it's a, it's a big variety of customers. Uh, that must be interesting to do the digital marketing um, for that as well. So let's go further into that topic, the topic of, uh, of this episode. Um, let me start with Bert. Um, which tactics are, are most important for digital marketing strategy for startups? There are a lot of different types of um, digital marketing like email, social media, search engine marketing, content marketing, influencer marketing, but also PR and partnerships. What are some of those, the most important ones that you saw that already worked very well for startups? Well, the Obviously, that depends very much on the type of business mm-hmm. you're in. If you're business to business or going to business to consumer, um, if you're like a fashion, fashionable item or something very practical. So it goes very much with with the business. Uh, now, the the obvious candidates that always pop up are uh, Google and Facebook. I mean, the, you probably cannot go uh, next to them. I'm not a fan of necessarily a fan of all those uh, of those specific channels, but it, it just happens. Now, on a, on a more uh, general term, uh, what I think is important, especially for the uh, early stage, but also growing startups, is those are all the techniques that are tactics that are close to the conversion moment. So, what I mean is things that will generate immediate sales. Um, it's not so sexy, it's not so fun uh, from a, especially if you're like a creative marketer, you want to make little cool videos and you want to do content marketing and you would like to be in the newspapers and that's all kind of fun, uh, but that's good for your ego. What's most important for a startup is to start selling. Now I'm talking about startups that can actually sell. Mm-hmm. If you're still working on your product, that's a different story. There you're just building an infrastructure of your website and your online presence and maybe some PR. But once you start selling, you will probably focus on email marketing. You will probably focus on Google AdWords if you can convert online. Um, you will focus on your website simply, making sure it works flawlessly and that you can actually track what you're selling, not just the orders tracking, but also like where did that sale come from? Did I actually make that customer on Facebook or where did I make it? So anything close to that moment of conversion, that moment of sales are to me the most important tactics Mm -hmm. or tactical channels uh, for a startup. Okay. And the top three of most important tools? But there's a difference between the channels and the tools, maybe. Uh, so the the from from a uh, channel point of view, it's I think it's Google Ads combined with SEO, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook and email marketing, mm-hmm. the oldest in the bunch, but still alive and kicking. Um, some cool tools to work with that I think is anything that has to do with tracking, and I mean the the elephant in the room is also Google is always Google Analytics and it helps I mean but you can spend days there and it helps you a lot mm-hmm. um, but also the cool tools like Buffer if you're managing social media or Rank, a Belgian startup an old Belgian startup that helps you with determining the search engine optimization of your company uh, I keep telling that and a lot of people don't know it it's W 
Woorank, W-O-O-R-A-N-K.be. They have a wonderful site. It works, and it in, in like a few minutes, you know what's wrong with your site from an SEO point of view. So definitely check this. Oh, that's a very good tip. Annelien, at Epic Base, how do you measure the success of all the efforts that you take in, in digital marketing? And do you have like specific tools that you use for that, like really concrete? Um, well, I'm responsible for a lot of different things, but then all with the main goal to generate leads, mm-hmm. um, yeah, which is necessary to provide our sales team with a lot of yeah, appointments in their agenda. Um, and, and like measuring these leads is like the main measurement of success in our company. Um, and yeah, I've set up a chain of measurement tools um, that helps us in, in defining the return on investment. Um, so basically, I've defined different steps in measuring the success in different ratios. So the reach to the visit ratio. So people we reach through online advertisement and then people who really visit our website. But then also from visit to leads to people who visit the website and fill in our yeah our web form. Um, and then also from lead to appointment because not everyone who fills in the form would like to have an appointment. We do online and offline appointment. Since we're a software company, some people prefer a personal approach and to really have an explanation um, to really see what are my needs. Do I need this software uh, program? Um, and then also the appointment to customer ratio. So how much of the yeah, how much of the leads in general are really qualified to become customers as well. Um, and the online measurement happens in Google Analytics. It's yeah one of our main tools that we use. Um, and then what happens with the uh, leads is generated in Pipedrive. Um, so everything that's that's our, the tool that our uh, sales team uses a lot um, because you can have different uh, categories like source, uh, inbound versus outbound. Um, and when someone signs a deal with us, really, really know where they came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know it from my marketing figures, but then they tell me also, oh, yeah, I spoke to this person and it was on Facebook, for example, or it was on Google. Um, oh, yeah, this is on Instagram. So that's how people um, can come to us. Um, and then the numbers are reported on a monthly basis to the management team. And then over time, we've become pretty good in like understanding and optimizing um, our ads and our budget. Um, and in the beginning, we were spending like a, quite a lot of money without an amazing return on investment. Mm-hmm. And we thought, yeah, maybe we should do like more money or less money. And now we've cut the budget in half and we are gaining a return on investment. So we're really like optimizing our ads. Um, we now know our market who are yeah, who are the people are there who could be interested in our product. Um, so that's what we yeah, are now still optimizing. Um, but then all thanks to this measurement, we know today that Google Display um, works very well for us to, in, in getting people to our website. Um, that's more general, like Facebook and, and Google um, uh, search uh, are more effective in, in um, converting for specific goals. For example, like filling in the form on our web. Uh, a website, um, yeah, the, the search network is really good for if you want to be present uh, when someone is looking for a term that could be linked to your product. Um, but then Facebook is as like a really specific demograph- demographic um, that you can define, um, which makes it this cheap medium to communicate to a really yeah 
to 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 our to, yeah. to our specific audience exactly yeah. yeah yeah so you actually you have a total sales process and every step in the process you can measure it where people fall off and, yes yes and that yeah. really helps you so numbers are actually key to optimize the budget that you put in yeah absolutely in your absolutely. marketing yeah. yeah so what is for instance like an optimization that you that you made then um did you say like okay we're gonna use this channel less because we see it's not working or something like that or uh... um well we really like for example in facebook you can like you put different conversions for example conversion for leads and then using the facebook pixel mm -hmm. um which is also on our website it uh, it can track what people um, are doing on our website and how they are um yeah reacting compared to the people who are already filled in the form and, and, and maybe became a customer um, and, and, and you can really like make lookalike groups and it's really easy to to just yeah trial and error error see what we can yeah what we can we can learn from those things and, and see like for example we're now doing remarketing um, for people who like the 25% of the most people who spend the most time of our web, on our website so yeah. it's really um yeah the process and 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 trying and then in google you have like different uh, bidding strategies as well so for example if you put maximize clicks then the adwords um the display the display uh, advertisements are really working yeah very well they, they generate a lot of clicks to your website uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they convert to leads as well so that's that's just what we have to see If it works so how did you learn about this is it while you were doing and trying that you learn all this stuff or uh, you took a training for this because it's very yeah you have it's very technical as well you need to know what the pixel and everything i know it's it's a bit uh, technical for some people but is it while you're doing and trying and testing and that's how you learn about it or uh... yeah i've um yeah i've tested a lot of things and and, and really spent a lot of time like researching what is possible um, but then we also got the possibility to get in contact with a google like person who works there and they also help us in optimizing our okay. campaigns as well and that is that has been a really good help um, you can also visit the google atelier in brussels for example there you can also have a lot of trips tips and tricks and they also give personal one-on-one -on -one sessions oh, for your for your company yeah. yeah okay that's a great tip okay um next question back to Um, Bert, what are some online marketing challenges that startups have? For instance, like the GDPR changes, you were just talking about email marketing as well. Um, do they change like the kind of activities that I can carry out on through digital marketing and maybe some other challenges as well? But I think GDPR is <laughs> on everybody's mind. It's, it's definitely on everybody's <laughs> mind, although I'm not a big... To me, it's not a challenge. It's, it's a constraint we have to live with. Um, But I mean, it just limits a number of things. It will have some impact, obviously, on the way you get organized. But most, for instance, on email marketing, there is no impact. Uh, if you have been doing email marketing the way it was in the law since I think about uh, almost 10 years now, uh, meaning that you have asked for permission and you store your the data, meaning an email address and a name for 90% of the people, Um, then nothing really changes. I mean, GDPR is not about email marketing. So I think people overestimate the impact on the short term. 
Now, I do realize on the long term for platforms like Facebook and Google uh, and Apple and all the big ones, there is a huge, there can be a huge impact once they go into deep analysis of your behavior, Facebook pixels, that kind of stuff. Uh, there, there is an impact, but um, again, it's something that will be taken up by the, the channels, by the Facebook, and is not so much of a direct challenge, challenge, challenge <laughs> I think, for the, uh, for the startups themselves. Now, um, unless you are yourself having a startup in digital marketing where you want to uh, develop deep profiles of, uh, of people. So GDPR to be taken into account, but consider it like a, a, a bit of a constraint. Um, I think the, the main challenge, the real challenge for a startup is often, uh, that's what I see, is getting the basics right. I was um, uh, very happy to hear Anneline uh, explain the simple metrics they are using. Um, and that's a lot of startups start with that. Okay, yeah, we have these metrics and we'll keep track of them. But then as time goes by, as they grow, focus on the product, blah, 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 and then somebody changes roles. And then, and all these things they've learned in the beginning, they tend to forget about them. And at the same time, the so this whole conversion focus, because that's what you're saying, yeah, is mm-hmm. what I was saying a minute ago, is you, we have to sell. So mm-hmm. branding, yeah, sure, that's cool, but you know, get the leads in and get sales done. Mm-hmm. So measuring that, managing that is something that is often forgotten uh, and even more profound uh, the why of your company because again six months later you've talked to customers you've changed ideas people have been developing stuff you've tested new things and then it's every six months you probably have to re-ask yourself the question why are we doing this what problem are we solving for the customer and is everything we do aligned with that um, and it sounds so basic uh, but it, it's not apparently mm-hmm. uh, we get uh, we think with people we do a lot of these early stage sessions of finding focus mm-hmm. and determining your focus and what we see now is that startups who've been busy for two three years have been considered successful startups um, when we you know, put them in the same bath again we there's sometimes really deep questions coming up like okay yeah we all, we probably kind of forgot why we were doing mm-hmm. this we were so much focused on the features and on the new products and on this and that customer the same so the goes strategic to, overview yeah, kind it's, of, yeah. it's strategic but at the same time it's very tactical it mm-hmm. can also be um, you decide to sell through a specific channel uh, so um, take take Onak for an example um, and, and, old uh, started uh, mm-hmm. startup um, who's uh, in which we've invested with the co-foundry um, at a certain point we made the decision we will sell direct and we will sell through an ambassador system mm-hmm. they make like the canoes the canoe, yes yeah, yeah. the foldable canoes.com and then comes the question along like well but maybe there's a retailer who might be interested and um, new people come in and everybody asks the same questions again yeah but I have this friend of mine who would want to sell it in his shop like okay we we're okay to sell it in the shop but know that we are not organized for that at this point because at some point in the history of the company we decided that was for now not going to be the priority so sticking to those strategic and tactical decisions or if 
if you don't stick to them, consciously decide to change your strategy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's also obviously things must change. That's that's something that seems to be very seems seems to be a bigger challenge than finding you know, compliance with GDPR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. So those are stuff that the startups really. Yeah, I find that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Question yourself. Question yourself, yeah. re uh, and find a system. Uh, get your objectives and key results in line. You know, write them down. Mm-hmm. Talk with the team around the table mm-hmm. every quarter. Like, okay, did we realize this? Why didn't we do that? Um, mm-hmm. Not, not something. Well, it's important to write the big audacious goal on the wall, but mm-hmm. also like, and what do we need to do to realize this? Mm-hmm. And then if it says. Um, sell online well then sell online exactly. and if at the end of the quarter you say well we didn't sell online but we did sell two pieces in traditional retail well there's two things either that's a good decision that's a good change so but you then you should change the objective along the way or you say like hmm we're going some wrong direction this mm-hmm. is not what we decided for yeah exactly okay so questioning yourself is really yeah, absolutely really important so before we go into the final part of of the episode where we ask some questions that come straight from the started at kbc community annaline i would like to know from you how that epic base learn about the started at kbc community and what in particular did the startup get out of it that took it to the next level because you're a big team at the moment i don't know how many we are now with 15 uh, full-time persons um it's quite busy <laughs> um yeah we're growing really fast um but i, I think it's it's hard to not know start it when you're starting a company um it's it's yeah it's the biggest incubator in Belgium so yeah everywhere you go on like like in on in an entrepreneurial um, chat mm-hmm. you always hear about start it mm-hmm. so I I think it's it's hard to not have heard of it um, and I think like the the, the the most value I think is like the network and the way like-minded people interact with each other um, and and you can exchange your ideas and ask around. Um, but you can also share your failures and then also share your successes. Mm-hmm. So you're not alone with your co-founder, co-founder in the startup, but you're like with the whole family sharing your ups and downs mm-hmm. of the startup life. Yeah, and of course in that network there are also some experts, eh? like Bert who is sitting here as well. So what about you? How did you become an expert that started at KBC? Well, I know you talked about it through the Kronos Group and yeah, with People that's, already. That's where it came from. <laughs> yeah, and, and what's in it for you? What do you get out of it? Well, interestingly, when, when, it's, when it started off again with the Kronos Group, we, it was more like, a, let's do this together. We don't know where it'll take us, but mm-hmm. we think it's a good idea to jump in, down this uh, rabbit hole together with mm-hmm. KBC. And, uh, and uh, looking back at it now, I think, Four years yeah. almost yeah. this year the, by the end of this year it will be five it years will be five yeah, yeah. so uh, so we'll be having a big party big party <laughs> good idea big party is always a good idea um i was thinking because you, you had the question before and so i was thinking about this and it there's a really a lot of small things that we we get out of or that i get out of it it gives first of all it gives a very good insight in what's happening in startup country let's say in mm-hmm. belgium uh, as uh, Anne said um i would say I mean, the, the started is like the by default incubator where you have to, or at least you should know about. So if you know 
all the people that started, then you know a lot. You have a really good view of what happens. It allows us to track talent, discover new ideas, but also learn about building companies because every time I sit together with a startup, I learn from them as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, Things change so quickly. You know, in traditional marketing, everybody would say, start with branding, build your brand, and then start selling. It's only by talking to startups that you realize we don't have time for branding. We have to sell first go, and go, then go. we'll... we'll yeah. So that's it's, it's things you learn only by working together with the with the people, um, and and no, so it's it and every now and then uh, a startup out of the community grows into the area where funding is interesting. So um, I don't know if we've invested directly, but at least we've talked to some startups mm-hmm. who who were at started at KBC uh, before uh, in 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 the view of possible investing. Mm-hmm. But that's again that's not the main objective. Our our idea is connecting with entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. finding talent, um, working and together. And you them. learn them, and but you yourself learn from them yeah, as I well. Know, so yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's It sounds strange sometimes, um, but I, I you know, working with them teaches me almost or probably as much as they learn from my experience mm-hmm. and expertise in, in digital marketing and building companies. Yeah, that's very nice. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, let's go over to the community questions. And actually the first question is the one that comes up, uh, that came up often. Um, I'm gonna ask it to you, Bert. Um, what is a good way to reach specific demographics, like specific target groups? And where do you start and after you've determined that, that target audience, um, how, do you, how do you start with it? How do you manage it? It's a very difficult question. <laughs> and I've seen on the Facebook group that Bert Kator is one of the guys who yeah. published it. So Bert, thank you for that question. I also asked him some specifications, but he didn't reply. So, uh, But anyway, I think it's an interesting topic. So on a, on a let's say, a bit, taking a bit of recul, stepping back, I don't, I'm not a big fan of demographics as a way to determine your target group. Mm-hmm. Demographics are analytic, are statistics, and people don't fit very well in statistics. So um, now, obviously, sometimes male, female for some products, it's quite obvious, mm-hmm. and some products are more expensive than other ones. So higher income, yes. So there are. It's it's not black and white, um, but. Again, it's, it's difficult to catch people. So the, that's why I prefer to take it from the other side and take a look at the mix of channels. Mm-hmm. So you've determined who you want to reach. Okay, so on what channels are these people active? Exactly. Uh, we talked about B2B. Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn sounds probably obvious. But again, I'm thinking of Epic Base again, LinkedIn. I don't no, think so. <laughs> well, so so it's really B2B, you would say LinkedIn. Yeah, but it's not because it's cooks and people in restaurants and they don't have time to be on LinkedIn. Or and maybe they are on Facebook. So yeah. I can, yeah. So, you can reach into Facebook, but not on LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. So, but, and that's something you have to know your customer and, and know on what channels they are active. And then mix that with the right message and state of mind. So... What are they doing on those channels? What is somebody on Facebook doing? Is he looking for a or she looking for a solution? Probably not. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you're on Facebook. You're not looking for solutions. You're just bored, or you're just you know hanging out passing or time. Yeah. passing time. Yeah. So that means you need a different message. You need something that's more uh, aspiring. That's more generic. Mm-hmm. Like hey, um, running your business in a more efficient in, in the most 
efficient way is probably a good idea. Here are five tips. Okay, that's something I might have a look at. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's on Google, for instance, um, then they're probably looking for something and that could be a solution. So on Google, you have to come with messages that say like, here is the solution to run your company much more efficient and it only costs this much a month. So it, the message you bring combined with the channel and the state of mind of the customer in that channel is kind of the complicated key to that mm-hmm. complicated answer. So you bring together different factors and mix it up. And again, as it's three factors with each multiple dimensions, the number of combinations is uh, well, not endless, but it's big. It's big so yeah. testing, measuring, yeah. we'll you know, see, uh-huh. what, see what happens. And, and interestingly, you might discover target groups that you didn't think that were there before. Because oh, okay, if you're yeah. in, the, in, yeah. a, in a corner, you're thinking, yeah, this, this is probably my target group. Yes, I've talked to customers and, and our strategy is this. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> some, another customer walks in and you're like, oh, that's ah. true, that type of customer, we didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah. okay. But if, you're, if you know that that type of customer is on Facebook or on Google and you bring the right message, they might just drop in just like that. Mm-hmm. So you, you, what you also do is, you look at the first five or the first one customer and then you see, can I find somebody similar or the one first 1000 customers and it's like, hey, are there like, who else is like those thousand people? And maybe those thousands you can split up in subgroups and then you can look for oh, sim- people similar to that group mm-hmm. and people similar to that mm-hmm. group. And again, building it from one to five to 10 to 100 to maybe a million customers. And then having the, the right message exactly. to them. Actually, that goes very well over to the next question that I have for Anneleen is how do you structure and package the message of Base to your potential customers? Also, probably within the target groups, you have different type of uh, messages. Yeah, absolutely, because software is not very sexy to promote and we are like, struggling, it's not really the word, but chefs are not looking for a digital solution. So most of the chefs are still creating their recipes on paper um, and they're looking for a way to professionalize their restaurant. Um, but then the transitioning into a software might be difficult. So we really have to communicate that it's easy to use and the easy transitioning as well. Um, that it will save a lot of time for them as well. Um, and then, yeah, increase their profit as well. That's all the profit is, is, is the most important thing. Um, yeah, and I think it's important to know your, your target audience and the problems they face on a daily basis. And yeah, you should really communicate the solutions that your product offers to yeah, solve these problems. Um, even if they're not really looking for a solution. So as best, best says, they might be interested in like um, like the aspiring message, but then on the yeah on, on the surface that the yeah, mm-hmm. you, you can communicate your, okay, this is what we do for you. Um, but you, yeah, I, I call it not directly selling. So so I have ads um, going on, uh, which say like top five of how to increase your profit, but it's not directly like, oh, hey, we are Epic Base and we are a software manage, uh, a software platform. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's, you yeah. give them content before you like lure them in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to, to warm them up. Yeah. yeah, and they need to have like confidence in your product and, and see, okay, this is interesting and, and it might help me in the future. And then they also know you and mm-hmm. sometimes it's a long selling process, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. 
And like another type of customer, uh, do you use then another type of message? Like for the, for instance, the the supplier, the food suppliers, or yeah. So so the chefs are really focusing on yeah. Um, the ease of use and the time that they gain um, but then the managers who have to pay for the software they um, are interested in the business intelligence that we can bring to um, their business um, yeah so, so it's really yeah you we are we, we created like this customer journey and different types of customers okay like this is the group and this is the message message that we should send out to them um, and then we have like yeah the, the corporates are more difficult than the smaller um yeah, the smaller uh, companies, um, because the corporates have also different departments that exactly. also should agree, and, yeah. and and every department should have a benefit. So yeah, exactly. yeah. And the how did you get to know these customers? Is it then also through the sales team that do their conversations with them, or you also do surveys, or you go straight to the to the customers to to see what their needs are? No, it's it's definitely thanks to the sales team. So so we have a lot of personal meetings with our customers or with potential leads, um, and they they really um, talk to them like what are your needs, what are you looking for, and then we can like really yeah, make up a profile in each group. Okay, great. That was it. You've done an amazing job, both of you. And again, an inspiring conversation. Thank you very much, Annelene and Bert, for joining us in this episode. And a big thank you to our listeners. If you have a question for the Started at KBC community you want answered, post it in the comments and we might ask them to our guests in the next episode. Started at KBC podcast. This podcast is made possible thanks to our strategic partners, KBC, Telenet, the Kronos Group, Accenture, Mobile Vikings, Flanders DC, Join, IMAC and the University of Antwerp.